Well, this morning we continue in our sermon series on the seven holy virtues. It's a series that was actually recommended by one of you, by one of our, our church members, and it's been fun for me because it's pointed me in directions that I haven't gone before. In fact, today, uh, as best to my recollection, is the first time in uh, a long time, the first time in my ministry, that I've preached a sermon on prudence. Uh, and so you are the guinea pigs today. We'll see how this thing goes. Uh, but the first of the cardinal virtues is prudence. And our text for that comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. This is, these are Jesus' final words in the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Let us pray. Almighty God, help all of us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, that we might be found to be wise, that we might establish our lives on your rock. Lord, I do ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, we are halfway through the series, and you'll not be surprised to hear me say that prudence is connected to action. In fact, if you remember, we said that faith is acting on what we believe. Hope is acting to bring about the thing for which we hope. And of course, our love is revealed not by emotions, but our love is demonstrated through actions. So also, prudence is connected to action. It is doing the right thing, not just knowing it. In fact, uh, in preparing to preach on prudence, I said, let's get a good definition. And I went to, first off, Webster's Dictionary, and I got this one. The ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. In other words, I use reason to dictate my behavior. I'm not just going off willy-nilly doing whatever I want, but I'm making reasonable choices with my life. That's what Webster called called prudence. If you look at the Catholic Education Resource Center, I love this definition. The prudent person is one who does the good as opposed to one who merely knows the good. It's one thing to know the right answer, right? But prudence requires that we actually do what we know to be right. That's a lot harder. So this may not be a real popular message after all. But that's the reality. Prudence requires action or The Apostle James puts it this way, but be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Wow, that's powerful. If all we do is hear God's word without doing it, we are deceived, James says. So it's not enough to know the right answer. It's not enough to have a good plan. Prudence requires that we act on the plan, that we act out of that knowledge. Uh, churches all over this conference, at least, have paid 
hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars to have experts come in and offer advice on how they might grow their church forward. And they, they create whole binders worth of plans and visions for the church. And so often I've seen churches take those binders and put them on the shelf and they just collect dust. So we wanted some ideas. We wanted a good plan. Now we have a good plan. It's on the shelf. That's not doing anybody any good. That's a plan that lacks wisdom because we're not doing what we're advised to do. We're not doing what we know is best. I'll give another example briefly. Um, using the idea of bravado and cowardice. Uh, bravado is taking all kind of risk just to prove that I'm not a coward. There is evidence of plenty of that in our world. It doesn't take long on a YouTube search to find people who are doing foolish stunts to prove their bravery. For instance, it's not hard to find someone who wants to jump off of the roof of their house into their swimming pool just to prove that they can do it. Spoiler alert, it almost never ends well. It's not a good, that's bravado, just acting foolishly to demonstrate that I'm a brave guy, right? Cowardice, on the other hand, shrinks away from taking any action at all, good or bad, for fear of the consequences. A coward is afraid to take a stand for anything because it might hurt. Courage, though, is the spiritual discipline. Courage is a Christian discipline that is powered by prudence. Courage knows that sometimes you walk away from a fight because it's a foolish fight, right? Not every fight needs us to get involved. But courage, but sometimes prudence advises us to demonstrate our courage by taking the unpopular stand, by doing the thing that may be risky, not to prove I'm brave, but to accomplish a good purpose. Right? I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who made the trip back to Nazi Germany to work against Adolf Hitler. That was a courageous move because he was doing it with good purpose. The Ten Boom family, Corey Ten Boom and her family, who courageously hid Jews in their house, even though it cost some of them their lives. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who courageously pronounced a dream, a dream that would ultimately get him killed. And so prudence is what drives courage. You see how it's beginning to work? So Jesus sums up his sermon with a call for prudence. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this call for prudence. He says, the one who hears these words and acts on them. It's like the wise man or the prudent man who builds his house on the rock. Notice, well, first off, what words are we talking about? Jesus says, the one who hears these words. Which words, Jesus? Which words are you talking about? Well, it's the words in the sermon, of course. The words in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the sermon that Jesus has just preached. He's ending up the sermon by saying, if you heard these words and do them, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. He connects hearing and doing. The one who hears and does. So Jesus has this absurd idea that after preaching this sermon, people are actually going to go do something. That'll get preachers in trouble sometimes. But that is his expectation in the sermon. In fact, he 
he pushes that further by saying, if you hear my words and don't act on them, you're like the foolish man who builds on the sand. Wow, I mean, that's strong if you'll stop and let it sink in. When, when we hear Jesus' words and perhaps even understand Jesus' words, I mean, that's, that's what church is. So, so much of church is focused on that, right? We have worship services and Bible studies and Sunday school classes so we can hear Jesus' words and understand those words. But if we hear and understand and don't act, we're being foolish. Now, don't blame me for that. Jesus said it. But that's what he said. So prudence, then, is hearing, understanding, and doing what Jesus says. So what did Jesus say? We'll take a few minutes in the sermon, and we'll, we'll go through just a, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, if we hear these words, the Sermon on the Mount, and we act on those words, then we're wise. So what words are we talking about? Let's look at just a few examples. First, Jesus says in the sermon, But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you are liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. Wise people are not angry people. That's what Jesus says, that we hear these words, that, that we are not to be angry with one another, that those are instructions from Jesus. If we hear that and act on it, then we are wise. The trouble with that is we so much enjoy being angry. Now, don't say you can't help but being angry. Let's be real honest with it, folks. We get a lot of pleasure out of it. We enjoy our anger, don't we? We're angry at politicians all the time. If anybody wants to challenge that, we could prove it right here, but I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> right? We get angry at our politicians all the time. We get angry at the folks around us. We get angry at people in other faiths and other religions even. We get, we get angry driving through traffic, especially in town. And if we've, got, if we've been home for two hours and we're still angry about the guy that pulled out in front of us in traffic, that's a problem. We are not being wise. What in the world are you supposed to do about it? Because anger is easy to get to, isn't it? It's readily available. What I'm learning to do personally, and I'm, I'm just learning, is when I'm angry at somebody, I try to step back and pray for them. I'm discovering that it's hard, for, it's hard to be angry at somebody for whom you're praying if you pray over a period of time. Don't be angry at one another. Pray for one another. That's the way wise people act, according to Jesus. Jesus also teaches us that wise people are people of integrity. On the next slide, Jesus says, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more from this comes from the evil one. Be honest in everything you do, Jesus says. Be, be someone who is reliable, a person of high integrity. When you say yes, people need to know that you mean yes. It's going to happen. When you say no, people need to know that it's going to be no. Wise people are people of integrity. I remember, when, I remember one time that that was put to test in my own life. 
uh, it was in a previous church years ago, decades ago now, and, and uh, I went to the post office. In fact, well, the town where we lived, the post office was in the grocery store. So I went to the, but I went to the grocery store to go to the post office. Uh, I had one letter to mail, so I went to buy one stamp. I went to buy my one stamp with a $10 bill. And so I went up to the counter. I got my stamp. I gave the, I gave the lady my $10. She gave me change. I stuck the stamp on the letter and stuck and put it in the mail and then, and then headed on out to my car with my change in my hand. I got into my car, buckled up, grabbed my wallet to put my change in, and it's at that point when I'm already in the parking lot, in my car, that I noticed that the person at the post office had given me change for a 20 and not for a 10. When I looked at my change, there was a $10. Remember, I paid with a 10. I looked at my change, there was a $10 bill in there. And I'll be honest, the first thing I thought was sweet. Yay me. It was a point in my life where an extra $10 would make a real difference. And I sat in my car thinking, in fact, this extra $10 means a whole lot more to me than it does Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam's got lots of money. I'm struggling. And so I had this little interior debate going on, sitting there in the grocery store parking lot. Fortunately, with God's help, I chose to go back in. I went back up to the counter, and I told the lady what had happened, and I gave her the $10 back that she had overpaid me. She was delighted. I don't know what might have happened to her when the count was off. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Choose the honest thing, even if it's not good for business, right? And Jesus said, don't judge. Matthew chapter 7, do not judge so that you may not be judged. Once again, Jesus is cutting into one of our favorite pastimes. We love judging. We judge the way people look. We judge the car they drive. We judge the house they live in. We judge, uh, we judge how they raise their kids. Don't lie, you do it. We judge people on what church they go to. In fact, as you know, we were at annual conferences last week. We were at the Von Braun Center in Huntsville, and uh, the irony just kind of blew me away uh, yesterday especially as we were preparing to leave. There were three conventions going on at the Von Braun Center simultaneously. The United Methodist of North Alabama, also in the convention center with us, was the regional convention of the Jehovah's Witness. And also moving in for the weekend was Comic-Con. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> yes, pictures. Comic-Con, you know, Comic-Con, Jehovah's Witness, and you know, it sounds like a bad joke, you know. Uh, a Jehovah's Witness, a Methodist, walk into Comic-Con. But let's be honest. There was some judging going on. You know there was. There, even though Jesus said that wise people don't judge. We're, we're not to judge. It, it hurts people. In a previous appointment, you've heard me talk before about my friend, uh, my friend Terry. Uh, Terry showed up for church at my church uh, one Sunday morning. Before I was there, I had two churches, and I, I didn't arrive to this one until worship time. And, but he showed up for church one Sunday morning, and he was dirty. 
And he was. He, he didn't look. His hair was unkempt. He didn't smell real good. He, he showed up dirty for church. Some of the folks at the church judged him. So he didn't need to come into church like that, and they sent him home. They said, go home and bathe and come back. I don't have to tell you he didn't come back. What the church members didn't understand, because they hadn't been to Terry's house, and I had, what the church members didn't understand about Terry is he lived in a broken-down trailer with no running water. Go home and get a bath, Terry. That means go home out into the weather, whatever it was at the time, hot, cold, raining. Go go out and take your bucket out to the spigot in the yard and fill it up with water and bring it in and put a pot of water on the stove to get it hot. And then once it's hot, you pour it into a five-gallon bucket. You cover it with plywood to hold the heat in while you heat a second pot to then put into the five-gallon bucket. And then you take a bath in the five-gallon bucket of water so that you can go back to church and satisfy the people who judged you in the first place. No, he didn't come back. See, when we judge people, we don't know the whole story. We don't know what's behind the action that we're judging. And so Jesus said, wise people don't do it. I know it's a lot of fun. But Jesus said, wise people don't do it. We simply don't have time to go through verse by verse through all three chapters. I would encourage you to do that. Really spend time to dig in to the Sermon on the Mount, realizing that when Jesus spoke those words, he had this crazy expectation that we were going to do those words. Take time and go through them. But uh, I do want to just kind of run down some other things that are included, just bullet point fashion. Real quick, some, some ways that wise people act. You want to be prudent. According to Jesus, this is what it looks like. Be reconciled before making your gift at the altar. You holding a grudge with somebody today? Jesus says you're not ready to worship until you've ended the grudge. That's harsh, isn't it? You get ready to give your gift and you realize that somebody has something against you, go and be reconciled to your neighbor and then come and give your gift to God. That's hard. Forgive as you've been forgiven. That's hard. I mean, I, I love God's forgiveness. Isn't it great? No matter what we've done, God has wiped the slate clean. He's removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. That's great for us. Now Jesus says, you go treat others that way. And we said, nope. <laughs> Wise people forgive. Don't store up treasures on earth. Or to put it in modern lingo, if you'll excuse my paraphrase, don't make moral decisions based on your 401k. Don't let what your retirement looks like determine what the right thing is. Don't worry. That's tough. They actually, that's a command, though, in there. In chapter 6, consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air. Don't worry about your life. You can't add to it. Or t you know, just don't worry. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We learned it in elementary school. Probably everybody in the room learned that in elementary school as a golden rule, didn't we? Anybody got it figured out yet? <laughs> Wise people 
treat people like they want to be treated. And wise people are generous. Wise people are generous people. Jesus says that if somebody takes your shirt, in the same sermon, if somebody takes your shirt, give them your coat also. That sounds crazy, right? But let me tell you a story, a true story. A friend of mine in ministry um, grew up an angry young man. He was expelled from kindergarten. Back in the day when all you had to do to pass kindergarten was don't eat the colors. Now you have to like pass calculus to get out of kindergarten. I don't get it. But, but when he was in kindergarten, if you didn't eat the colors, you were ready for first grade. He got expelled from kindergarten. He got expelled from elementary school. He got ex- he, in elementary school, he threw somebody out of a second-story window. It was okay. He landed on some bikes. <laughs> got expelled from junior high school. And I'm not saying suspended. I'm using the right word, expelled, like don't come back. And expelled from high school. He landed in prison, in Kilby Prison, on grand theft and attempted murder. He was a car thief over in Birmingham. His name's Malin. He's a great guy. He's been a good friend throughout my ministry. Malin had a Sunday school teacher. In spite of all of his antics, in spite of all of his anger, his parents made sure he was in church, although he didn't want to be. He had a Sunday school teacher whose name was Ed O'Toole. Malin hated him, quite frankly. Because when you're living that kind of life, it's hard to love Sunday school teachers. But Ed loved Malin and took him under his wing and stayed after him his whole life. Uh, Malin winds up in Kilby Prison. And Ed O'Toole, his old Sunday school teacher, comes to pay him a visit. Now, I never met Ed, but I've heard his story. I've heard the story so many times. Ed was a very proper gentleman. Malin said he had never seen him without a coat and tie on. Just pressed, pressed white shirt, coat, tie. He was, it was probably the 50s. And that's the way men presented themselves. And he was very proper. So Ed came to visit Malin in Kilby Prison. And trying to be helpful. And Ed said to Malin, if there's anything you need, let me know and we'll try to do it for you. Malin, full of anger, sitting there, looked at Ed O'Toole, all dressed up. And he said, give me your shirt. Ed O'Toole got up, took off his coat, took off his tie, unbuttoned the shirt, handed it to Malin, picked up his coat and tie and walked out of Kilby Prison in his undershirt, horribly embarrassed at his appearance. Jesus said, somebody asked for your shirt, give him your coat also. Ed was crazy enough to believe Jesus meant it. No, Ed was wise enough to believe that Jesus meant it. It's one of the things that turned Malin's life around. Malin's told a story the rest of his life that, that Ed's wisdom, Ed's prudence, was one of the things that saved his life. Tidy up the story real quick. Ed uh, Malin did get out of prison. Ed O'Toole got him remarkably accepted into Birmingham Southern College. 
where he graduated with a double major. First level of school he ever finished in his life. Went on to seminary and now holds two earned doctorates. Because the Sunday school teacher was wise enough to walk out of Kilby Prison in his undershirt. That's what wise people do. Wise people do what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said on the subject. So I pray that wisdom will guide all of our actions. I pray that we will be as those who have built our house upon the rock so that when the storms of life come, we will find ourselves standing. And I want to invite all of us this week because, man, I've covered a lot of territory and, and it's overwhelming to say, oh, I can't do all of that. Well, you're, you're probably right. I can't either. So let me offer the invitation this way. This week, this week, will you consider finding something that Jesus said and doing it? You don't have to worry about everything in the sermon. Find one thing that Jesus says that you're not really doing so good at now. And this week, practice actually doing it. Because that's what prudence is. Not just knowing the good, but doing it. One thing Jesus said, go do it. May God fill us with God's perfect wisdom. Amen.